Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Our guest today is a technology and growth thought leader specializing in creating and managing growth programs that combine data analysis, product ideation and hypothesis testing to optimize customer experiences and expand revenue. There's a fun little quip about him as well. He's also a colleague of ours. Who would have thunk? So it's our pleasure to welcome to the show, Mr. Tim Duncan. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony and Peter. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited that you're here. So, you know, I think many of ours won't necessarily know I love that intro. I thought it was great, but I don't think many of our listeners will fully understand exactly what you do. So let's just start at the very beginning, Tim. Like, what is the most high level explanation of kind of the work that you do and how a consumer might interact with that work ultimately in an experience? I think it's probably easiest to explain it in the context of, of, of how, of what I do through the context of what Bottle Rocket does for its clients. So like we're best known for the design and development of web and mobile applications. Well, it's only natural that we would also help our clients launch and grow those applications going forward, which is really the basis for what product growth is. It's a methodol, a structured methodology, a data-led methodology to help clients make improvements to drive increases in acquisition, conversion, engagement, or retention metrics. The recommendation and best, best method to do that is usually around a structured experimentation program where... You look at first party data, you find different places in, in your experience that aren't performing well. You hypothesize ways to improve that. You implement those changes and you measure the impact and you do it over and over and over again till eventually you keep stacking different things that work into sustainable growth. That's really what it's about. I have a question for you. It's actually a question that I have a very hard time um, articulating. Say, for example, Tim, for some reason, you are without um, a table at Thanksgiving. And I'm like, Tim, come on over to the family. Got some country bumpkins. And they go, so, Tim, what do you do? What do you say while you're eating turkey? Finish swallowing and chewing first, Tim, for crying out loud. I usually use, like, an analogy or an example. Okay, perfect. And... The most common one is the Facebook example, which honestly, the Facebook growth team was what birthed growth hacking or product growth or growth marketing or whatever other flavor anybody wants to call it. Facebook, they set out to figure out what is the specific thing in the application that will them whether or not a customer would be long-term advocate for the brand. And what they came, what what a data science team did was they went and found out that if they can get you to have seven friends in the first 10 days, like the chances of you being a long-term loyal power user are like 90% or something like that. Oh. So I'll say 
to people around the table, I say, I'll, I'll tell that example and say, what we do is we try and do the same thing for our clients, which is figure out what is the secret sauce to getting you to use your mobile application over and over and over again. Mm. It, I love this. Tony, how do you answer that question? God, see, I knew. I knew it would be turned around right away. <laughs> it depends. It's a good one. It is. It depends on a lot of things, but there are two different things I'll say. And, and, and look, take this for what it is. If they're a little bit older, if they skew a little bit older, I say something like, if you look at your phone in an app, and if there's any apps that frustrate you, I'm part of the people that make it more enjoyable and less frustrating. I thought you were going to say I'm part of the people who make it frustrating. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have my job still. <laughs> we did that. <laughs> if they're like a little younger, you know, not to be an ageist here, but um, I say stuff like, you know, I, I, help, I help create the connection between brands, products, and services with human beings. Then they go, oh, and I go, yeah, I, I design apps and stuff. They go, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, like, oh, and then and then it's always, listen, I want to talk to you about this idea for an app I have <laughs> without fail. I've been every dreaming time. about this idea <laughs> every, every time. Every time, yeah. Oh, <sighs> All right, so somewhere buried deep within our um, banter here, MarTech, the term was dropped. Can you also, I, see, I'm playing that part now. I'm, I'm playing the past the gravy part. What is MarTech? I think the first thing I'll say about MarTech is it's, it's a, I think it's a term that is evolving. So the definition, you know, changes a little bit from year to year slightly as MarTech plays a more expanded role inside of businesses. So the way that I define MarTech myself is I think it's the collection of tools that marketers primarily use, but also product management teams use to drive key growth functions inside of a customer experience. For example, orchestrating cross-channel messaging campaigns. So if you want to be able to trigger SMS messages or emails or push notifications or desktop notifications based upon what your customers are doing on their mobile app, MarTech is the, what is going to help you orchestrate all that together in a clean way, <clears throat> which is going to be a one subset of, of MarTech is an engagement platform. It's a piece of a MarTech stack. So you'll hear people talk about MarTech stacks. And what that means is the collection of tools that I just mentioned, organ and common categories that people use to do the common things to drive growth. That's kind of how I picture MarTech right now. And what I meant specifically, it's an evolving term that classically you would think MarTech is something that only the marketing team uses. I personally think that 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 term is evolving and, and it's because more teams are starting to play off this platform. The product management team, for example, they are interested in first party data all day long. They need to be able to personalize the experience, understand how customers are behaving and what they should do to improve it. So for me, this is where like marketing and product management teams are really coming together within these tool, these key tools where they operate and exist together to perform these functions. So what I mean by the evolving term is that MarTech for me is expanding beyond, beyond the walls of mark, core marketing and into other organizations that are using it as a core platform to collectively drive growth, if that makes sense. I'm so glad you mentioned personalization in that 
is this uh, MarTech in general? This is always a bad word to use. Is MarTech in general what enables personalization? I feel like everybody wants to have a personalized experience, but everybody struggles to articulate what that actually means. Is MarTech a part of that equation? I, I think it's a key part in, in delivering personalization and definitely like advanced personalization at scale. So if you're a strong product-led company that has your entire business operating through your digital channels, like the level of personalization goes beyond like change out the person's first name, whoever is logged in here. Like that's not what I mean by personalization. I mean like core recommendations based upon what you've done in the past processed through a machine learning algorithm of some sort that then is served up to you to to be a more targeted way to get you to perform um, different actions inside the platform. So think about a company like Amazon, for example, this is the classic one that's always used. Whenever you see like, these are products we also think that you might like. Those products, that recommendation is formed based upon an analysis of your past purchase history, most likely processed through a machine learning model that determines you will probably buy this based upon all the things that we know about you. That's real personalization. And it takes form, it takes form in many different ways inside of an application. And there's no way you can have enough humans spinning enough plates back there to allow you to do all that without some key MarTech tools to help you carry it out, in my opinion. It's exactly like on Instagram. And and from what you said at the at the outset, if you can get people to follow seven folks, then they're uh, they're gonna be a power user. So on Instagram or, or TikTok or Facebook, fill in the blank, you follow someone and immediately it drops down, hey, you also might like to follow these folks. And Well, so yeah. be careful here because just because that hypothesis of seven friends in 10 days was the right growth scaler for Facebook doesn't mean it would still be the right growth scaler today or no, doesn't mean true. that it would that's be applicable true. to Instagram and TikTok, right? Every experience had... If you could think of it like we put an experience out in the market, and Tim, I'm sorry to steal your thunder here, but it's oh, something I'm also about excited it. about. Uh, if you think about we put an experience out in the marketplace and 100 people use it, 70 of those people might use it once or twice and put it down, right? It, and that's a good experience, which seems crazy. The numbers seem crazy, but it's true, right? You have very high churn on any application. Mm-hmm. I think in the health tech space, it's 90% churn within 20 hours to give you some context, right? So huge churn. That leaves people that keep that application on their device. If you were to look at the behavior of 30 of those people, you could chart it in terms of who's the most engaged and the least engaged. You look at the behavior of the most engaged users, those five people who are coming back daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is, right? If you're buying a house, you're not going to come back all the time, except Zillow does some sneaky stuff. Like this is the value of the house you own and you can look at it every week. And that's why you come back to the Zillow app. Uh, But think about like mortgages, buying homes, cars, low frequency events, driving engagement is challenging. Then you have high frequency events, social media, news, things that you would engage with every day. The behavior of those five of 30 people will help you determine what is most valuable to those users. And then you can highlight that more easily for the 95 people who don't engage that way. 
But you have to be careful, right? Just because power users use an application a certain way doesn't mean that everybody's going to want to use it that way too. So you have to avoid over-indexing on the behavior of a small subset of users. That's why you do targeted experiments. So like when we say targeted experiments, we might roll something out to 1% of users and see if that 1% of users operated differently than the control group. This is like scientific method stuff. And then if that 1% of users operates significantly statistically differently than the control group, we'll roll it out to 10% of users. And if they operate significantly statistically differently, we'll roll it out to all users. Well said. I mean, couldn't have put it better myself. I actually couldn't have put it myself. I have a question. This is a tangent, by the way. Talking a lot of professional stuff here. We're getting into the weeds. Some real juicy stuff. You can ask a question about TikTok. Please don't ask a question no, about TikTok. No, no. Okay, good. No. Oh, I don't want to upset okay. you. Tim, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a child? Um... Well, for a long time, I wanted to be a doctor, to be honest with you, because my dad's a doctor. Oh. And so I always kind of thought I might would probably be a surgeon. Dr. Duncan. As, and that changed pretty quickly when I got to college, and I, and I realized, like, exactly what you needed to do. I was not very, like, long standardized tests. And what I mean by that is because I was actually a pretty slow reader in middle school, and so, like... Well, I could answer the questions, right, if I had enough time. I could never do very well on them if I didn't have that enhanced time. I made a calculated decision, to be honest with you, to switch switch over into the engineering realm sure. about, a, about a year into my my uh, my career in college. Oh, no kidding. <clears throat> Which and I got the enough. same undergraduate degree. Yeah. Well, we got civil engineering degrees, and then we, didn't, we both didn't use them. <laughs> no kidding. Well... I have an acting degree, and I'm using that right now. Use it every day, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> My life has been the classic, like, I can't figure out what I want to do for a long time. But actually, growth is really the thing that I was, that's really, like, hit the nail on the head for me. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's a place where you can combine creativity and analytical problem solving to do some pretty cool stuff. You know, it's really fast moving. There's never a shortage of different hard problems to solve. So that's what fits the bill for me now. Well, thanks for telling me that. I I don't know why it popped into my head, but um, I always find it interesting to know someone's background and then where they end up and, and seeing how that background influences what they do or doesn't influence what they do, you know? And, and um, I do, I find, I find every occupation creative so tim got a question for you we've been talking about the technology that underpins these customer experiences we're talking about amazon personalization what is a martech experience that a consumer may have interacted in what's something that you would tell any listener that they would be aware of that they may not have realized they interacted with some type of technology to enable that experience i think a good experience that most listeners will have used and it's a really great ex, um, example of personal advanced personalization at scale is Spotify. So most people are using Spotify, especially in the U.S. And um, when you sign up, if you if you remember when you signed up, um, you took a little quiz. They asked you some questions as you're onboarding about your favorite music. What are your likes and dislikes? 
And that information was actually used to curate your experience going forward. Like what are your music recommendations or which things to be at the top of your list whenever you're through. So like Spotify is a great example of a company that I, I don't know this hundred percent, but is, is using MarTech at scale behind the scenes to orchestrate a lot of these, a lot of these magic tricks in the experience that most people don't realize it's, and that's what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be a seamless experience that just works and it provides different surprise and delight to make your life easier. So I think that's a good example. And MarTech is obviously back there orchestrating, pulling levers to make things happen. Like, okay, Tim answered these questions on this profile. And now that's his first party data profile. Now, when he comes back, we're going to use that information to make his experience more personalized. And that's what's most likely happening on the backside. So we mentioned like two tech, technology companies, Spotify and Amazon, but the vast majority of companies out there in the market are not technology companies. What are some examples that you've seen from non-technology companies leveraging tools like MarTech tools to drive better experiences? You know, I'll call out Caesars Entertainment here, to be honest with you, which is one of a longtime client at Bottle Rockets that I think has a fantastic experience. And if you've ever been on a Caesars Entertainment property, you have the mobile application on on your phone and you're and you're walking around you'll most likely get some geolocation enabled push notifications is what I'll call it meaning if you cross a, a certain boundary or a different place in the world with your phone being tracked it will trigger a notification maybe maybe there's a restaurant in the area that it's going to direct you towards or you know maybe maybe your room is ready to be checked in you know there's the geolocation push notifications that go along with their experience. That's all a function of, 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 of a well-orchestrated MarTech stack behind the scenes that is keeping track of your first-party data profile, understanding where you're at, and delivering a personalized message based upon what it thinks valuable for you. I think brands with physical footprints, like, and you wouldn't traditionally think they're not the, the technology led companies that you hear about the, you know, the Fangs or the Spotify's or the TikToks, like they actually have a really awesome lever to use, which is their physical footprint to do some really cool activities that other technology led companies can't do. They can use this, ex- this experience and this on property uh, moment to do more advanced personalization or more advanced <clears throat> growth tactics using geolocation, using geofencing, you know, using on-property push notifications or contextual things on the way. So just throwing that out there as it's personalization and growth is not just modifies of the world. It's for everybody. I have a, one more question before we head into the final segment. What is one really important thing for folks to think about in MarTech? So it's a great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a big event that's about to actually happen within, and if you're in the MarTech world and you operate some part of the MarTech stack, you most likely have heard or is definitely on your mind. And this is the coming migration of Google Universal Analytics to Google Analytics 4. Now, I know it might seem like a, <clears throat> a weird thing to call out, but you have to realize within within the performance marketing world, which is heavily influenced by MarTech, that ecosystem largely rests on the shoulders of Google 
Universal Analytics, which is Google's core flagship analytics platform that everybody uses inside their website, almost guaranteed. Well, one year from now, summer 2023, they are going to stop collecting data on that flagship product. And all customers who use this in their stacks will need to have migrated over to the new platform or you'll be starting from square one. And let me double down on what I mean by this, meaning the data from Google Universal Analytics will not migrate to Google Analytics 4. And so if you wait until summer 2023 to move over to this new environment, you will be starting to collect data from square one. So if you're a very big brand that has a lot of data sitting in back there that they use to do different things, whether it's performance media or measurement or you know, core product analytics, like you're going to be in a really bad way if you do not think and start making changes pretty soon. So that's probably the, uh, and it's even been referred to as, as the Y2K event of analytics. It's that big because there's that many people who are using Google Universal Analytics that have to move over. So I'll call that one out as just a core insider one. It's crazy. So Tim, if someone wants to reach out to you, wants to talk to you more, how should they get in touch with you? LinkedIn. Um, if you want to reach out to me, please friend me or email me and we can connect and talk all things growth or MarTech or whatever it may be. Awesome. And so now we're going to go kind of into the lightning round. Lightning round is one word responses from you. So we're going to ask you a question or response. You ready? <laughs> yeah, this will be tough for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> An excellent MarTech experience should feel like what to a consumer? Personalized. Boom. Ooh, I got a good piggyback. What does personalization mean to you? Tailored. Oh. Okay. Earlier in this episode, you mentioned that you kind of been on a journey to get to where you are today. What's one core aspect of yourself that stayed consistent through that journey? Problem solving. It's a it's a hyphen. Give you a account. hyphen, sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, listen. We've got one more question for you. This one, you can use as many words as you want. Not just one. So, what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? I'm sorry. Can they be? Can it be a, like a dog or a human? Yeah, sure. Go, go for it. No constraints for you, Mister. They just have to be non-digital. All right. Well, let me let me do the traditional route here. It's definitely going to be my set of golf clubs. If I had to just pick a traditional object, oh, a right? Golfer. So I'm a golfer, and my golf clubs are very important to me, and it's like my main outlet to to de-stress and get outside because I spend a lot of time behind a computer. You know, now that you say it, you're wearing that golf polo. It fits, man. I've been wearing golf polos, like, ever since I got out of high school, to be honest with you. I, I just started rocking golf polos. I read you like an open book. <laughs> <laughs> what's your handicap? I don't know anything about golf, but hey, what's your handicap, man? Oh, I'd probably be like between uh, 10 and 15 right now because I don't play all that much. Um, I don't know practice that. enough. I can get, I can get it. I can get Any it. Other time. I, I, I heard someone ask that, that sounds on a, good. asked that on a movie once. And I was like, all right, I'm going to use that. If I ever talk to a golfer. <laughs> so cool. That's pretty good. All right. 
Listen, this has been fun. I've been playing I, since I was like 14, so I hope. Oh, shoot. Okay. Look at you, Tiger. Anyway. <laughs> I wish. Tim, this was super fun. I'm really glad you came on, carved out some time for us. I think the audience will enjoy this as well. Get some nuggets of info there. Reach out to him. Thanks, brother. Likewise. I appreciate you all having me on. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope the content's valuable for your listeners. 